Good afternoon and welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'll be your host today for the next hour. I'm glad you have time in your crazy lockdown day to spend with me. I hope you're either at home safe or if you're in an essential service, you may be working. But whatever it is, just be careful. I have had so many questions lately with this stimulus check has been the number one topic on everybody's mind at this in the CPA world. So I wanted to give you a few of the highlights. The IRS finally sorted out some of the questions that I really didn't know the answer to from the initial news reports I had been reading. I guess I'm just going to try to summarize this so you'll know exactly what's going on. I would say the number one thing that you might be alerted to that you didn't know is that if you're someone who doesn't need to file and not required to file like a retired person on Social Security, they are going to send a check for people in that situation if you file. Now, I believe they're going to set up some sort of website for a non-filer who isn't going to owe any tax to send the information and technically file to get the stimulus check. But as far as I know, that's not set up yet. You can go to irs.gov slash coronavirus. That is where they will be putting this information up. I don't believe that's ready yet for you to send information to. I've already had a couple of callers at my office ask about this, and I told them, well, I can file for you at the minimum fee, and until this IRS thing is up, I will offer that. Once I see that that IRS site is up and available for this, quote, filing, it's not a full filing, I don't think, then I would refer people who call me to there because I don't think it's fair that they have to pay to have somebody file something for them if they can easily fill out some basic information, and that's what I think it's going to be, and do it at the IRS website. I'll keep you posted on that as I find out how this goes. But as of today, it says they're going to set that up, but I don't believe it's set up right at the moment. So here's some of the basic questions and answers. If you filed 2019 already, they will go off of the 2019. If you filed 2018 but haven't yet filed 2019, which is where a lot of people are at, they will go off of 2018. there's reasons why you might want to file 2019 right away. And it has to do with if your income is different than 2018. So for single people, the full $1,200 is going to be made available if your income, and that means adjusted gross income, that's the bottom of the first page of the tax return. Actually in 2018, they made the two-page return a one-page return. So It's sort of in the middle there. In 2019, it is the bottom of the first page again, like they used to do. Single people with less than $75,000 in adjusted gross income will get $1,200. It will be a phase-out if your income single is between $75,000 and $99,000. So anyone under $99,000 is going to get some sort of prorated amount out of that $1,200. For a married joint return, that range is 150 where the 
reduction starts up to 198 so it's double the single rate. I found the head of household rate the other day. I, I didn't write it down, and I couldn't find it today on my way over here. But it, the cutoff there ends at 136, so it's not quite halfway between 99 and 198. And I think the beginning of that one is probably around 115. I'm not certain. The main thing is, is that head of households get a break somewhere of better than single and lower than married joint, which is the way head of household generally works as a stat, as a tax filing status. Okay, like I said, they'll do it automatically. You don't have to ask them specifically off of your 2019 unless you haven't filed that yet. Then they'll look at 2018. If you had a year in 2018 where your income was high but it's lower in 2019, you would be wise to file right away because they might cut the checks based on 2018 if you haven't filed 19, and then they'll reduce your check. That would be the one main reason to file 2019 sooner than you planned. They did say there will be a... Now, here's the question a lot of my clients have had. Okay, they say, I've never done direct deposit just for whatever reason, but now they won't have my direct deposit info to send the money to. According to the IRS notification today, or it might have come out yesterday on the 30th, it says, in coming weeks, the portal for the bank info will be available at, probably at that irs.gov slash coronavirus, and there is where you would be able to enter your bank information to receive the direct debit, the direct deposit for the check. That is the main, those are the main points of this. I'm trying to think of what else is the, oh, they say they'll be issuing these checks throughout the rest of 2020. I'm not sure what that means, but if you're somebody who hasn't, hasn't had to file in the last couple of years, but you go ahead and get your filing done, uh, that should work out correctly. Now, the, the other thing that's happened, which actually happened before the stimulus check issue popped up, is the late filing extended tax season. Everything that was due April 15, like business corporation filings and individual tax deadline is April 15th, that is now July 15th, and any tax you owe as of April 15, there will be no interest or penalty as long as that's paid by July 15th. That's the main thing you need to know about this extended tax filing extension they've done. I'm, as of yet, not sure they have decided how extensions are going to work. Normally, an extension, you file it by April 15, and it takes you six-month extension to October 15. Now that the deadline is July 15, I believe, as of right now, the extended deadline is still October 15. But in my opinion, they may extend that to go to January. I'm not sure. It might get a little confusing having the year of 19 stretch that deeply into the end of the year and even the start of 2021. Perhaps they'll make the deadline November 15 or December 15, or they might leave it at October 15. I'm not certain. What I do know is that the April is not due until July now. 
if you end up owing tax, you can file now, but you won't be penalized for paying that amount by July 15 instead of by April 15. So my best advice is go ahead and get the filing done now. Offices like mine, I'm still doing the full full hours, working hard till April 15, just trying to get everything done. I noticed here near the station, there's a CPA office that I don't see any cars at all. I'm not sure if they're open, closed, or what. Maybe some CPAs are just saying, come back after the 15th and we'll do it in the summer. I'm not certain. Or maybe they just aren't open today. I have no idea. Well, the last few weeks have definitely been interesting. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're healthy. I have my own opinions as to the nature of this coronavirus. I'm, I believe I'm one of the first people who might have told you that it could be a man-made virus. There could be a patent on it. It could have been released on purpose. Those are the things I brought up weeks ago. I'm not going to say whether I'm right or not because I can't prove any of this stuff either way. But based on what I read, I believe there's less to worry about than the media would make you believe. One interesting thing that I've seen, there's a website, I think, I I haven't found it exactly, but I haven't had a lot of time to look. It's something like Show Your Hospital. And what it is is there's people that have taken their phone cameras to hospitals in Queens, Brooklyn, Los Angeles, Washington, and they've sent videos of their hospitals to this website. The bottom line is none of these hospitals are even crowded. They look as if they're empty even because they've been telling people, unless you have an illness that looks like this coronavirus, don't go to the hospital. They've gotten rid of all elective non-important surgeries. You would expect, based on what you hear on CNN and NBC, that these hospitals would be overflowing with sick people and mayhem everywhere. But this website is soliciting videos of hospitals. I haven't driven by Enlo lately. I just don't go to that side of town that often. I have a feeling it's going to look fairly calm and normal. It's amazing with all that you've read that if you saw a hospital in Queens or Brooklyn that was pretty much empty and not even crowded at all, not busy, not crowded at all, would that surprise you? It did surprise me. It just goes to show not everything that you hear is always the truth. And don't forget, if there's more than one truth, there's no truth. So in, the, in, the, in that vein, I brought an article, and this article is actually just something I found from Business Insider website, and it's actually dated June of 2015, but the date, this isn't that much of a current event. This is just my theory, and it's something I like to talk about a lot, especially on Business Buzz, where I like to be the alternative viewpoint for you, at least present something alternative to you. This article is called Five U.S. National Security-Related Conspiracy Theories That Turned Out to Be True. The reason I looked this up was, for the last 40 years, I've been accused by all the friends of mine and my dad's friends and 
They've all accused me of being a, quote, conspiracy theorist. One man, and I take this as a compliment, nicknamed me Lyndon LaRouche when I was about 18 years old because of all the articles that I was reading that nobody would believe. So I brought this article today. I'm just going to run through it real quick. I'm not going to spend too much time. Five U.S. national security-related conspiracy theories that turned out to be true. And the article goes on to say, take off your tinfoil hats for a second, because sometimes an insane-sounding conspiracy theory actually turns out to be true. From the government making up an enemy attack to justify war to mind control experiments, some stories are hard to believe until declassified documents or investigations prove they actually happen. Here are five of the wildest former conspiracy theories we found. One, the U.S. Navy fired on North Vietnamese torpedo torpedo boats that weren't even there. On the night of August 4, 1965, the USS Maddox engaged against hostile North Vietnamese torpedo boats following an unprovoked attack. The only problem, there were no torpedo boats or an attack. The Maddox fired at nothing, but the incident was used as a justification to further escalate the conflict in Vietnam. President Lyndon Johnson reported that at least two of the enemy boats were sunk, and American media outlets backed up that story in numerous articles. But conspiracy theorists thought it looked a lot like a false flag attack. They were right, according to the National Security Agency's own declassified documents. Others who were present, including James Stockdale, a Navy pilot who had later received the Medal of Honor, disputed the official account. Quote, I had the best seat in the house to watch that event, and our destroyers, uh, well, my printing didn't print the whole thing properly, but uh, to make a long story short, never happened. So if anybody was laughing at me at the dinner table, the laugh's on them. Uh, there's another one, the FBI infiltrated, surveilled, and tried to discredit American political groups it deemed subversive. Well, I happen to know that uh, there was an incident, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about this in a minute because I'm going to run up against that first break pretty soon. There was an actual event very close to where I used to work that I'm going to share with you today because it's a typical example of this, what they call counterintelligence, and it has to do with the FBI harassing numerous political groups. So I'll fill you in on a little personal experience I had. Not real personal, but nearby where I work. We'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Garrett Grigsby, Director at the Office of Global Affairs. His office fosters relationships and provides leadership and expertise in global health diplomacy and policy. Exodus 23:25 reminds us of God's power to heal. Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Garrett Grigsby as he works toward a safer and healthier world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. 
Attention KKXX listeners. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 8 a.m. for Hope for Today. We are excited to have the opportunity to air the Hope for Today program with David Hawking. Please make sure to support the ministry work of David Hawking and all the other wonderful ministries that allow us to spread the good news of Christ here on the North Valley's home for Christian talk. KKXX 930. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I'm enjoying a busy tax season afternoon, but I'm glad you're able to spend a little time with me. I hope everything's going well for you. So I was just talking about an article that says five national security-related conspiracy theories that turned out to be true. And the second one, which is the FBI infiltrated, surveilled, and tried to discredit American political groups it deemed submersive subversive, I'm sorry. So I was going to tell you a little story. It was just kind of interesting. When I was in my 20s, after I was in college, I worked at my father's CPA office in Oakland. It was a few blocks from Oakland High School and the 580 freeway. And there was an incident there one day, and it was a car pipe bomb blew up And the person who it blew up on did, I don't believe they died. They were severely injured. And they were arrested as being part of some kind of, something related to that weather underground when they were doing bombing things. And this was in the, this would have been in the early 80s. And I remember thinking, that's kind of strange because that was only a couple blocks from where I worked. And if you remember, Oakland was a hotbed of, Radical thinking, they're Black Panthers, I believe they started there or they were major, it was a major center for like Black Panther activism in the 60s. So Oakland, it wasn't that surprising there would be some sort of bombing, but I just thought it was kind of strange. What was interesting was the news, of course, talked about this evil weather underground, whatever, and played it all up, but then you didn't hear much about it later. Back then, I used to read the San Francisco Chronicle every day, just a habit, and there was no internet. I couldn't get any news in the internet, but I would always read the Chronicle. What I found very interesting, a tiny little, these these articles that follow things up are always on the back pages. The headlines they want you to read are always on the front pages in bold letters, but the clarification or the result or the end of the story always comes in the back in a little, little blurb. And I found an article in the Chronicle maybe three or four years after that pipe bomb incident. And guess what? The federal government had to pay that person $2 million to settle the false arrest, false everything claim that had been lodged against against these people for this supposed pipe bomb. And I'm guessing it wasn't even their bomb. It was probably a bomb planted by our government. Now, when you think about it, that's kind of scary, but that's what I saw, and they settled for like $2 million. Now, $2 million in the 80s is about 8 or, eight or $10 million now, so that was a lot of money. 
So it is just kind of funny because this article talks about, um, you know, the counterintelligence and all that stuff. And this thing even mentioned the Panthers, but like I say, it's called Business Insider. Um, and it's a pretty good article. Let me see what else they say here before I, before I move along. Let me see. Oh, CIA conducted mind control experiments on unwitting U.S. and Canadian citizens, some of which were lethal. I think we've all heard of that one. So, and my other point is the fact that now the news mentions this thing about the deep state, the fact that we even have a deep state should be very unsettling to everyone and how far entrenched they became and how far they went in the last 60 years is incredible. But just the fact that we have one should be very unsettling. Okay, now here we go. They've passed the multi-trillion dollar stimulus and they're blaming it. I, I said this a month or two ago. If you If you were listening to Business Buzz, you may have heard me talk about the fact that this whole virus thing could be just an excuse when they knew that the world economy was going down the tubes, that they've used this as the excuse. If you notice, every story you hear now about businesses that are having to be bailed out, about stimulus and trillions of dollars that have to be printed to support these businesses that are going under, every time they mention it, they mention the virus in the same sentence. So they are using this virus as the excuse for a problem that's been around since way before the virus. So I'm just going to read a quick little article from the American Prospect, and it's called Unsanitized. The Federal Reserve Loads the Cannon. And it says... As we've discussed, the bailout package scheduled for a vote in the House today, and this is from a few days ago, includes $454 billion for the Treasury Department to hand over to the Federal Reserve. This was initially $425 billion, but they topped it up in the final bill. That money could then be placed into a credit facility and levered up 10 to 1, creating a $4.5 trillion money cannon aimed at the largest corporations in America. You're right to ask, why does the Federal Reserve need any money from the Treasury? The Fed has a printing press, a computer really, and can conjure up whatever cash it needs. Nathan Tankus calls this an accounting gimmick, and if one quarter of the total package is unnecessary, that should be news. Pam and Russ Martin say this enables the Fed to hide the credit facility off its balance sheet. Making it a special purpose vehicle could shield the money cannon from Freedom of Information Act requests. Bloomberg famously used Freedom of Information Act to discover the terrible collateral the Fed allowed banks and other companies to use for lending in the 2008 bailout. In addition, the coronavirus bailout law repeals public meeting and record-keeping requirements for Fed-related programs. And the oversight built into the bill comes after the money is out the door. So secrecy, long a Fed staple, could be the answer. The Fed announced another whole bailout program on Monday, which is a year ago in coronavirus time. Again, supported by Treasury Department cash, this credit facility supports the corporate bond market, 
which has been seizing up. Now, I've been reading about the fact that a huge number of billions and billions of dollars worth of corporate debt is one has been one grade above junk for a long time, and I believe that's called BBB, one grade lower and it's junk, and that's what the Fed's now having to bail out. Here's the situation. Lots of companies feasted on highly leveraged loans in the past decade. This was particularly true in the energy sector, and the current crash in commodities is likely to create a lot of defaults. Other debt, like commercial real estate, could collapse as well. Think of this Fed program as like a bank. Treasury makes a deposit, and that's the capital for lending and trading. By buying up corporate debt, the Fed would keep corporate bond interest rates from spiraling. The debt could be rated pretty low by credit rating agencies, meaning they think there's a likelihood of default. Since the rating agencies are reassessing these bonds, the Fed can scoop in before the downgrades to junk status. So many of these loans were overrated. Moody's highly rated a debt instrument on two large Las Vegas casinos on March 5th, when the effects of COVID-19 on the travel sector were already well known. That deal has already disintegrated. This is a bailout then of a highly irresponsible bonanza of corporate lending. All of this debt was run up well before any coronavirus crisis. What is the rationale that the Fed has to backstop this market? Plus, the Fed already has the $4.5 trillion bazooka. Why do they also need a program to buy up increasingly worthless corporate debt? Incredibly, the Fed put BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, in charge of this and two other bond-buying programs. One of the programs involves buying up exchange-traded funds, and nobody has issued more of those than BlackRock. The firm can theoretically direct itself to buy up its own troubled funds and take fees on it. Whatever the purchases, BlackRock unquestionably stands to make hundreds of billions of dollars. So do you, do you get a feel of how crooked this whole thing is? This is what I've been talking about with my articles from uh, Egon Von Greyers. And I'm going to come back with a little bit of that after the break. So stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. Can we earn our salvation? Here's David Hawking with some biblical insight. If every one of us were left to ourselves, you call it heaven or hell. Hell, we'd all be in hell. If we were left to ourselves, the miracle is not that anyone goes to hell. The miracle is that anyone is saved. More about the miracle of salvation this week on Hope For Today. Tune in for Hope For Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Hi, this is Pastor Chris Kinson of Community Church of God in Chico, and I'm happy to announce that our church has joined KKXX. Community Church of God has been a fixture in Chico for many years, and now we'll be coming to you over the airwaves. Our program is called Your Message for Today, and will be broadcast on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We hope that you enjoy the Bible-based teaching and preaching that will be featured on these programs. We'd also like to extend to you an invitation to come and visit us at Community Church of God, 1095 East Avenue in Chico. Our services are 11 a.m. Sundays and Bible studies at 7 p.m. Wednesday. 
Come and worship with Community Church of God, and may God richly bless you. That newborn baby is going to need a lot of special nourishment in order to grow up healthy and strong. The same is true for those who are new in their walk with Jesus. The Bible says they need spiritual milk to nourish their souls at a critical point in their life. That's what we try to provide with the teaching and talk on our station. And when you send them your financial support, you're helping to accomplish something powerful. You're helping us get spiritual nourishment to those who vitally need it. So thanks for looking out for those newborns of all ages. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I wanted to continue with our discussion of the, well, the coronavirus excuse for the economy to crash. And that was my original, that was my original uh, premise. And I'm sticking to it until I'm proven wrong. And, uh, Sorry about that. That's the problem when you have a busy day and you leave your phone in your pocket turned on. That's not good. In fact, that's one of the uh that's one of the most uh biggest boo-boos in radio. So, sorry about that. So, the next article I wanted to discuss, well, actually there's one I want to talk about just for a minute. Have you heard about the insider trading in the Senate? And the thing that's interesting here is that there's, it's actually, there's no party lines. There's no Democrat versus Republican when it comes to being crooked. Um, Members of Congress have a long history of, this is called insider trading is business as usual for our politicians. And it's from NewYorkPost.com. The author's named John Crudell, and I've heard of him before. C-R-U-D-E-L-E. And it just says, Members of Congress have a long history of trading stock on confidential information. In fact, up until just a few years ago, it was legal and perhaps the best perk of their jobs as public servants. So why is it any surprise that members of Congress sold shares after they were given inside insight about how bad the coronavirus really might be? So let's go through this in reverse chronological order until I get to the main point of this column, a secret I discovered a couple years ago. Last week it came out that four U.S. Senators, including Republican Richard Burr of North Carolina and Democrat Dianne Feinstein of California, sold hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stock in major companies after they were given a secret briefing on coronavirus. Since Burr was a Republican, the Democrats rejoice at this dis- at this disclosure. Even people who usually side with Republicans called for Burr's resignation, probably because Burr has been a critic of President Trump. So uh, you can read this kind of article. I know this has been, uh, I believe I read an article that said the Department of Justice is opening an investigation into this insider selling. But the point is, up until 2012, it wasn't even technically illegal for them to do that. So when they come out of a private meeting that they just found a bombshell information like they did 
about the coronavirus problem that was upcoming. It wasn't even against the law in the old days for them to sell stock based on their insider knowledge, which that was a surprise to me to see that they it wasn't even illegal just eight years ago. I thought that was interesting, and it just goes to show how crooked the entire system is. I'm going to just talk about an article here because I've been promoting you. I've been recommending that you should have a little bit of insurance on your money in physical gold. And there's an article here from Zero Hedge on the 29th, which is a couple days ago. And it says gold is now, quote, unobtainium. It says by now it's becoming clear to many that demand for precious metals as the world turns is far outpacing supply as major gold suppliers and sellers exclaim, there is no gold. One glance at Appmex, and that's a one of the websites that sells a lot of gold and silver coins. One glance at Appmex pages and two things are immediately clear. There is no gold or silver. They show a pre-sale of a one-ounce gold for over $1,800, which is about 15% premium over the paper paper price. And then they show a one-ounce Mexican silver Libertad for $29.73. Now, at the time of that printing, or at the time of that advertisement, the technical paper price of silver was around half of that. It's around $14. So I think it's less than half. So here we have whatever silver you can find, you're going to pay twice what the paper price says. And it says, and the mainstream media is starting to notice as dollarcollapse.com's John Rubino points out, the Wall Street Journal just published the kind of article gold bugs dream of. Here's an excerpt. Coronavirus sparks a global gold rush. Epic shortage spooks doomsday preppers and bankers alike, unaffordium and unobtainium. It's an honest-to-God doomsday scenario, and the ultimate doomsday prepper market is a mess. As the coronavirus pandemic takes hold, investors and bankers are encountering severe shortages of gold bars and coins. Dealers are sold out or closed for the duration. Credit Swiss Group AG, which has minted its own bars since 1856, told clients this week not to bother asking. In London, bankers are chartering private jets and trying to finagle military cargo planes to get their bullion to New York exchanges. It's getting so bad that Wall Street bankers are asking Canada for help. The Royal Canadian Mint has been swamped with requests to ramp up production of gold bars that could be taken down to New York. When people think they can't get something, they want it even more, says George Giro, 83, who's been trading gold for more than 50 years. Now at RBC Wealth Management in New York, look at toilet paper. Uh... Anyway, they go on to say gold is one money that can't be printed. And a limited new supply. You can't really get physical gold and silver anywhere at the moment, he said. So I thought that was interesting. You can read that yourself on the place that I've recommended you get some of your daily financial news, zerohedge.com. And... That is just a real interesting article. So, of course, I have to go uh, during this time of craziness in the world financial market. I have to get a little bit of Egon von Greyer's latest commentary. He wrote an article dated the 24th of March. 
And it is the Swiss canton of Ticino in the Italian part of Switzerland has just ordered the gold refiner's base there to close, initially till March 29th, but this is expected to be extended. Three of the world's largest refiners, Argor, Valcambi, and Pamp, are based in Ticino. We are likely to see major pressure on the gold and silver paper market. And he says, who will pay the printing press, stupid? The world will now see massive handouts to individuals and corporations. Now, he wrote this before they signed that multi-trillion dollar fraud that I just mentioned. Uh, Rescues of over-leveraged banks and hedge funds plus rapidly surging government deficits. But who is going to pay for it? The printing press, stupid. Who else? The printing press has got the world into this financial disaster in the first place, and all that is needed now is to speed it up 100 times or more. But who is controlling the printing press? That is an irresponsible elite of central bankers, the deep state, and governments who have all benefited from the biggest financial bubble in history. It says, Central banks told us about the crisis back in August and September. The first signals of the latest crisis in the financial system was clear in August and September when first the ECB said they will take whatever measures necessary and the Fed started desperate money printing that one Fed governor called plumbing and not quantitative easing. Of course, it was plumbing since the system was leaking like a sieve. I wrote at the time that what will happen next will be as momentous for the world as Nixon closing the gold window in 1971. And here we are six months later with the Fed's balance sheet having expanded by almost a trillion dollars. In addition, all central banks and governments are now committing trillions to prop up failing economies and a collapsing financial system. Most European economies are now at a standstill. It says stocks will go down by 90% faster than in 1929 to 32. In 1929, it took the Dow two and a half years to go down by 90%. And the depression lasted for many years. This time, because of coronavirus, the collapse will be very fast. It could all happen in 9 to 18 months. By that time, the financial system will be unrecognizable or non-existent. All the printed money will be valued at its intrinsic value of zero. And so will all the assets that were bought or created by this printed money. Stocks will be down 99% and most bonds down by 100%. But even if markets will collapse very quickly, the world economy will go along the bottom for years and maybe decades. Investors in property live under the false impression that bricks and mortar will always have a value. Sadly, that won't be the case. If there are no tenants or if they don't pay the rent, the properties will be almost worthless. I have already heard from friends in the property business who say that the tenants can't pay the rent. Governments in some countries have promised to help out with rent, but that help will consist of worthless printed money and therefore only have a very short-term effect. As it its value declines daily. If printed money was wealth, we could all stop working. Now think about that sentence. That kind of sums everything up. If printed money was wealth, we could all stop working. He says, and this is, a, like I say, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just telling you what I think, and it's up to you to do your own research and decide what's right for you. He goes on to say, fake money, fake valuations, fake markets. So we are now entering the end of a 100-year phase of fake money, fake valuations, fake markets, and unlimited debt, all leading to the biggest bubble in history. This has also led to false ethical and moral values and the breakup of family values. 
Too many people have been chasing the golden calf or material values. So I've read this man's writing quite often on Business Buzz because him, him and I have a lot of the same, same ideas. He just goes on. You can read this article. His, his website is called goldswitzerland.com. He's a Swiss guy. And, oh, yeah, and the part I wanted to get to also, it says paper gold market will collapse. So what's happened, and I'm done with that article. I don't want to bore you with uh, word for word here. What's happened is, just like in 08 and 09, when the stock market crashes, so does the paper market for gold and silver. What, what happened is the price of silver went down so rapidly that everybody and his brother decided they finally wanted to buy some silver and gold like I've been telling them to spend a little of their money to do. Within a day of the last time I ordered anything, the next day there was nothing available. Right and wrong. So, so who decides? This is Ken Ham, a publisher of the award-winning family magazine, Answers. Atheist Richard Dawkins recently said that without religion, people might feel like they can do bad things because God isn't watching them. Really, what he's saying is that atheism doesn't provide a foundation for morality. Now, that doesn't mean atheists can't be moral people. Many are. But what is moral? What's right and wrong? is completely arbitrary in their worldview. You see, many atheists will say their morality is just to be happy and to make others happy. But why should they make others happy? That's an arbitrary standard and not one that everyone will agree on. We need an ultimate standard for morality to make sense. And that standard is God and His Word. Listen to this program again or view a complete transcript at AnswersRadio.com and find answers to your questions about creation, evolution, and more at AnswersRadio.com. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for spending some time with me this afternoon. I wanted to spend a minute or two just to give you some ideas about what you might want to do now if you have stock market-related investments that have tanked up to 30 or 33% right now. Maybe yours is some, like some of my clients, they've managed to only lose 10 or 15% in the last week or two. It's a topic that I'd like to just at least introduce you to. It's a financial product called fixed indexed annuities. And even though annuities get a bad rap, some of the best safe investments can be the annuity method. They are, there's lots of different types. There's variable annuities, which are actually sold by stockbrokers. But there's one called a fixed index annuity that's very interesting, and I want to at least present to you an alternative to watching your stock market money go down the toilet, which is what is happening right now. 
and it hasn't stopped yet. We don't know where it's going to end. In 2008 and 9, it dipped down, I believe, 40% or so. I know that the S&P bounced at 666, which is a topic for a whole other discussion. But there's a thing called a fixed index annuity, and what it is is if you have money that's in a retirement account or money that you're not going to be using for the next few years and long-term investment money, you can actually have gains when the market goes up but have a zero year where it goes down. So as an example, let's say there's a year where let's say you invest in one of these fixed index annuities and the first year the market goes up and you earn 8%. Well, after that year, let's pretend you put $10,000 in that account. Your account would then be worth 10800 because of the 8% you earned. Let's just say the next year the market crashes 40% like it's doing right now, and 40 will be optimistic, I, in my opinion, by the time this thing clears out. So in our scenario, you now have 10,008, and in the second year of you owning this investment, the market does its usual thing every few years and goes way down. Well, you still have 10,008. You don't lose a dime in that second year, even though if you had have left your money in the actual market, you would have lost a lot of money. The trade-off for that type of protection is, number one, you do need to leave that money in for a few years. This isn't money that you're going to be using right away. And number two, if the market goes up 20%, this indexed annuity won't pay you that full 20%. It'll pay you some set amount that's limited to 6 8 or 10%, depending on the individual product. That's what I wanted to introduce you to. It's a very interesting thing to see that there is a way to, number one, make a decent return when the market does well, but number two, not lose your money when the market tanks, which it always does. I've been predicting this latest downturn for years. I'm not a great, I'm, I don't profess to be a market timer. I'm not a financial planner. I just tell you what I'm doing and what I'm thinking, and it always goes down. What goes up must come down, and this was just another case of the same thing. So moving on to the end of the show, I wanted to just keep you posted on things that I'm doing, other than work, of course. All I'm doing lately is, is, to, is work, which is normal for the uh, late March, early April period. And what I'm going to do is just spend a few minutes with my Course in Miracles and I'm going to just jump to uh, Lesson 45. And it says, the title is, God is the Mind with Which I Think. Today's idea holds the key to what your real thoughts are. They are nothing that you think you think, just as nothing that you think you see is related to vision in any way. There is no relationship between what is real and what you think is real. Nothing that you think are your real thoughts resemble your real thoughts in any respect. Nothing that you think you see bears any resemblance to what vision will show you. Now, I'm just going to step back on this for a minute and remind you that the things that I've read out of this book called The Course in Miracles, A Course in Miracles, it basically is saying you have two minds. One, 
that's your real mind and one that's your worldly mind that is always doing the thinking. So that's what it's, this is talking about. I'm going to continue with lesson 45. You think with the mind of God, therefore you share your thoughts with him as he shares his with you. They are the same thoughts because they are thought by the same mind. To share is to make alike or to make one. Nor do the thoughts you think with the mind of God leave your mind, because thoughts do not leave their source. Therefore your thoughts are in the mind of God as you are. They are in your mind as well, where he is. As you are part of his mind, so are your thoughts part of his mind. Where then are your real thoughts? Today we will attempt to reach them. We will have to look for them in your mind because that is where they are. They must still be there because they cannot have left their source. What is thought by the mind of God is eternal, being part of creation. Our three five-minute practice periods for today will take the same general form that we used in applying yesterday's idea. We will attempt to leave the unreal and seek for the real. We will deny the world in favor of truth. We will not let the thoughts of the world hold us back. We will not let the beliefs of the world tell us what God would have us do is impossible. Instead, we will try to recognize that only what God would have us do is possible. We will also try to understand that only what God would have us to do is what we want to do. And we will also try to remember that we cannot fail in doing what He would have us do. There is every reason to feel confident that we will succeed today. It is the will of God. Begin the exercises for today by repeating the idea to yourself, closing your eyes as you do so. And don't do this if you're driving, of course. Then spend a fairly short period in thinking a few relevant thoughts of your own, keeping the idea in mind. After you have added some four or five thoughts of your own to the idea, repeat it again and tell yourself gently, My real thoughts are in my mind. I would like to find them. Then try to go past all the unreal thoughts that cover the truth in your mind and reach to the eternal. Under all the senseless thoughts and mad ideas with which you have cluttered up your mind are the thoughts that you thought with God in the beginning. They are there in your mind now, completely unchanged. They will always be in your mind exactly as they always were. Everything you have thought since then will change but the foundation on which it rests is wholly changeless. It is this foundation towards which the exercises for today are directed. Here is your mind joined with the mind of God. Here are your thoughts one with His. For His kind of practice, only one thing is necessary. Approach it as you would an altar dedicated in heaven to God the Father and to God the Son. For such is the place you are trying to reach. You will probably be unable as yet to realize how high you are trying to go. Yet even with the little understanding you have already gained, you should be able to remind yourself that this is no idle game, but an exercise in holiness and an attempt to reach the kingdom of heaven. In the shorter exercise periods today, try to remember how important it is to you to understand the holiness of the mind that thinks with God. Take a minute or two as you repeat the idea throughout the day to appreciate your mind's holiness. Stand aside, however briefly, from all thoughts that are unworthy of him whose host you are, and thank him for the thoughts he is thinking with you. Well, that was interesting. Here's another good one. Here's a good one in uh, today's coronavirus news cycle. 
Lesson 48. There is nothing to fear. The idea for today simply states a fact. It is not a fact to those who believe in illusions, but illusions are not facts. In truth, there is nothing to fear. It is very easy to recognize this, but it is very difficult to recognize it for those who want illusions to be true. Today's practice periods will be very short, very simple, and very frequent. Merely repeat the idea as often as possible. You can use it with your eyes open at any time and in any situation. It is strongly recommended, however, that you take a minute or so, whenever possible, to close your eyes and repeat the idea slowly to yourself several times. It is particularly important that you use the idea immediately, should anything disturb your peace of mind. The presence of fear is a sure sign that you are trusting in your own strength. The awareness that there is nothing to fear shows that somewhere in your mind, though not necessarily in a place you recognize as yet, you have remembered God and let His strength take the place of your weakness. The instant you are willing to do this, there is indeed nothing to fear. So since I've got time, I'm going to jump into Lesson 49. God's voice speaks to me all through the day. It is quite possible to listen to God's voice all through the day without interrupting your regular activities in any way. The part of your mind in which truth abides is in constant communication with God, whether you are aware of it or not. It is the other part of your mind that functions in the world and obeys the world's laws. It is this part that is constantly distracted, disorganized, and highly uncertain. And I just want to point out that's another instance of the basic underlying premise of this entire book, The Two Minds. The part that is listening to the voice for God is calm, always at rest, and wholly certain. It is really the only part there is. The other part is a wild illusion, frantic and distraught, but without reality of any kind. Try today not to listen to it. Try to identify with the part of your mind where stillness and peace reign forever. Try to hear God's voice call to you lovingly, reminding you that your Creator has not forgotten his son. We will need at least four or five minute practice periods today and more if possible. We will try actually to hear God's voice reminding you of him and yourself. We will approach this happiest and holiest of thoughts with confidence, knowing that in doing so we are joining our will with the will of God. He wants you to hear his voice. He gave it to you to be heard. Listen in deep silence. Be very still and open your mind. Go past all the raucous shrieks and sick imaginings that cover your real thoughts and obscure your eternal link with God. Sink deep into the peace that waits for you beyond the frantic, riotous thoughts and sights and sounds of this insane world. You do not live here. We are trying to reach your real home. We are trying to reach the place where you are truly welcome. We are trying to reach God. Do not forget to repeat today's idea very frequently. Do so with your eyes open when necessary, but closed when possible. And be sure to sit quietly and repeat the idea for today whenever you can, closing your eyes on the world and realizing that you are inviting God's voice to speak to you. So that was was interesting. So I thought I'd just spend a couple minutes here at the end of the show. I want to thank you for spending some time with Business Buzz. I know it's there's probably lots of distractions right now if you're trying to keep up with all the news. And if you're, if you're home and they won't let you go to work, I do really feel, feel bad for that. It's really a shame 
if it turns out if it turns out that this is not what they really say it is, then it's really, really going to be a shame that they've done this to everybody and messed up the economy like this. In case I'm wrong, well, then, you know, they're doing the best they can to keep everybody healthy. But I, for one, am not buying into all of the news and all of the doom and gloom. I have read many things. Like I say, if you if you look up some of these videos that have pictures of hospitals in New York and Los Angeles that aren't even crowded, they don't even look like they're busy, that will, that'll be a very awakening thought to what's really going on here. I just heard someone say they're setting up tents like a hospital at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. Well, I don't think they need to do that based on the fact that the hospitals aren't even crowded. I can't say for sure exactly what's going on, but I can tell you it's probably not what you're hearing on the news. I encourage you to just stay healthy. I encourage you to read things like Course in Miracles. Get used to using the other side of your mind, and I will see you next time on Business Buzz. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico. This hour from townhall.com, I'm Keith Peters. President Trump says he's going to re-examine U.S. support for the World Health Organization, saying they missed the call on the coronavirus pandemic. So we're just going to take a look at it. You know, we fund it, and, and they seem to be, you know, I said recently in social media, I said they seem to be very China-centric. That's a nice way of saying it, but they seem to be very China-centric. Mr. Trump spoke at the Daily Coronavirus Task Force press briefing. Across the U.S., the death toll reached about 11,000 with about 370,000 confirmed infections. President Trump predicts that the U.S. economy will go up like a rocket ship once the country's past the worst of the coronavirus outbreak. The president told banking executives that he expects the U.S. economy to rebound in a big way once the threat of the coronavirus is over. We're seeing light at the end of the tunnel. You see it. I see it. And I think we're going to go like a rocket ship once we uh, get back to business. He also announced that his administration is asking Congress for an additional $250 billion for a program that offers forgivable loans to small businesses who keep workers on the payroll. Greg Clugston, Washington. California Governor Gavin Newsom sticking with a mid-May projection for when the COVID-19 outbreak will reach its peak in California. But he says he's seeing some improvement from two weeks ago. That curve continues to rise, just not at the slope 
that originally was projected without the kind of interventions, these non-pharmaceutical interventions like physical distancing have uh, provided for us. While confirmed cases and deaths continue rising in California, the rate of hospitalizations and intensive care placements, a key indicator of resources the state needs, have been increasing more slowly. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 26 points, the Nasdaq dropping 25, the S&P lower by 4. More on these stories at townhall.com. At Sprint, our priority is keeping our customers, employees, and communities safe. During these uncertain times, we want you to get the great service you expect without leaving the safety of your home. Sprint.com makes shopping easier by offering free next-day shipping and no activation fees on our best new phone deals, like the amazing iPhone 11. Lease it for just $15 a month when you switch to Sprint. For now, shopping online at Sprint.com is the best way to learn about our plans, buy new phones, and get the services you need. Stay healthy and go to Sprint.com today. iPhone 11, 64 gigabyte, $15 per month after 14, 17 monthly credit applied within two bills. Requires new line of service, 18 month lease, and approved credit. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Offer and coverage not available everywhere. $30 activation fee, taxes, and restrictions apply. As talks begin on a Phase 4 coronavirus bill, Democrats and Republicans alike are talking about addressing shortcomings in what's already been spent. Debate over the gaps quickly begins to look like long-standing arguments over the role of government. Democrats eager to spend at least another trillion dollars, much of it on expanding the welfare state and new environmental regulations. Republicans say it's too early to define any shortcomings in the CARE Act, since most of its $2.2 trillion has yet to make an impact. One. 